Welcome to Economically Speaking, the information podcast designed to bring you the latest economic development news in the town and the surrounding area. Hosted by Babylon IDA CEO Tom Dolan. Well, hello everyone. We want to welcome everyone back and wish you all well in the coming year. I'm your host, Tom Dolan. And today, we are pleased to have on the podcast, Town of Babylon Councilman, Anthony Minetta. And I can do no better than to read you his bio. Councilman Minetta was first elected to office in 2017. When he was elected, he was the youngest town board member in Suffolk County. One of the first actions he took as councilman was to create the town's first small business committee. He is involved in many community organizations throughout the town of Babylon and in Suffolk County. In the past, he has served as CEO and Executive Director of the Suffolk County IDA and worked in finance for a corporate turnaround and restructuring firm. He is also an entrepreneur and investor with a background in real estate and healthcare, where he grew and managed a workforce of over 200 employees. He is a graduate of Lindenhurst High School, has a degree in accounting and an MBA in corporate finance. Well, good afternoon, Anthony, and welcome to Economically Speaking. Thanks for having me. So a couple of things jumped out at me uh, when I was reading your bio, and and it wasn't so much that you got an MBA or you managed a workforce of over 200 employees, but it was the fact that you graduated from Lindenhurst High School. That's right, class of 1998. Very, very proud of that. That's right. Supervisor Schaefer gave me a little joke when we were together recently. You went to school on a bus. I went to school on a horse and buggy, you know, so. <laughs> but once a bulldog, always a bulldog, right? That's right. We said that. But but seriously, so you, you were the CEO and executive director of Suffolk County. And maybe you could just share with us a little bit about your time there and some of your proudest accomplishments there. Working for the Suffolk County IDA was really a tremendous opportunity. And one of the things that we did right away when I got there was really revitalize and turn around the agency. From marketing to events, you know, we really wanted to make sure that we told the business community that Suffolk County truly is pro-business and open for business. One of the things I like to say I coined, you know, when I was at the agency was, you know, instead of research and development R&D, was retain and grow R&G, our workforce. And we really put a lot of effort and emphasis into doing that and making sure that we put the resources in place to make sure our companies who were doing business in Suffolk County stayed in Suffolk County. Right. I do remember that. There was a whole rebranding that you had done, and, and definitely all of a sudden you started seeing and taking notice that Suffolk County IDA was alive and well. And I appreciate that because you've always been a, a resource for me sitting in the chair that I sit in today, so I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about So in your eyes, IDAs are important for the local economy. Oh, yeah. You know, IDAs are, are, are super critical. And... It truly is a fact that companies, whether they be manufacturers, distributors, biotech, high-tech companies, or even real estate development companies, have the ability to deploy their capital as to where they're going to build, where they're going to invest, anywhere in the United States. And they choose Long Island. And that's why it's important that from an IDA's perspective that you know, we continue to work and provide you know, incentives to not just keep people here, but to attract outside capital and investments. And there is a lot of misconceptions out there about IDAs. And I think it's important that people really take a deeper dive and truly learn the economic impact that IDAs make on the local community. And we live in an environment in New York State where we do have extremely high taxes, we have high energy costs, we have a great 
in a labor workforce, but sometimes hard to connect the two between industry sure. and labor. You know, there are states every single day throughout this country that are calling up, knocking on the doors of local companies, trying to get them to move out by luring them with attractive incentive packages. Sure. And you add the incentive packages with lower energy, lower taxes, uh, it's really a recipe that will make a company think twice about moving. Uh, but that's why it's the IDA's job to really put forth their best foot and sometimes put forth incentive packages to keep them here. And we've seen that. We've seen different things here, right here in the town of Babylon. Some of the housing projects that we've done and, and what those projects have translated into. Uh, I know Lindenhurst, right? There was a major project there and we watched that turn uh, the downtown around a little bit. So there is a, an economic impact to what we do. When elected, you started the Small Business Committee, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about the idea behind the Small Business Committee. One of the things that I wanted to do when I got elected into office was really make sure that we are focusing in on small businesses. A lot of the efforts, especially with you know, large economic development projects and you know, industrial development agencies, focus on you know, large manufacturing companies, distributors, you know, 50,000 square foot, 100,000 square foot buildings, and the small businesses, which really kind of dot all our main streets and corridors and make up the largest percentage of the workforce out in the economy, um, I wanted to make sure that they truly had an advocate and a voice um, on the town board. Our town council is wonderful. They do a tremendous amount of good work, and each person kind of focuses on, oh, I'm going to focus on public safety, veterans, the beaches, parks. Uh, and there really wasn't a core focus on uh, small business. Uh, so when I got elected, that was one of the first things that I put forward and got unanimously passed by resolution, is a small business committee to really kind of be able to foster and move forward small business initiatives by providing resources, capital, access to capital, seminars, um, and really put forward you know, th that type of effort to support our small businesses through the town. Absolutely, and we've seen that. And again, talking about the work that we do, Although we don't get to work on Main Street, so to speak, those communities are very important to us because we are invested in those communities, so yeah. and, it's and, major. And, yeah, and one of the things that you know I did also that we just rolled out um, at the end of 2022 was create um, within the small business committee confines is uh, the Town of Babylon Chamber of Commerce Collaborative. And this is an effort that I believe might be the first on Long Island where you know, a town government is truly working with all of their chambers mm. and making them a coordinated effort. So where you have, um, you know, a ribbon cutting uh, where you would have just that, you know, one particular chamber of commerce promoting it. Now you could have multiple chambers of commerce promoting it. So sure. instead of 10 people showing up, you can now have 30 people show up. Sure. Um, doing more, you know, networking throughout the year between all the chambers and their members to, you know, foster collaboration. Um, do more kind of like chamber-wide resources and development events. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got all the chamber presidents together. Uh, it, was, it was a great um, opportunity for them not just to learn about what our vision is for the collaborative, but for them to kind of bounce ideas off of each other and see how uh, some of the more established chambers got to where they are and mm -hmm. some of the newer chambers can learn you know, some, some tips on how to kind of get to where they want to go. Yeah, modeling, right? Seeing something that's successful and, and modeling after that. Also, and I know you've talked about this with me too, about the synergy. Uh, people being able to network and you know create that synergy and together do something greater, right? 
Oh, yeah. You, you get smart people in a room and, and they're talking, you know, really amazing things can come out of it. Um, that's how in the past, when going back to my time at the Suffolk County IDA, that's how, um, you know, like Launchpad Suffolk County in, in the town of Huntington uh, really started was out of that was an event that we held called uh, the Suffolk IDA Startup Connect. And people just got together, started talking. And then before you know it, you know, a co-working space was born. Excellent. That's excellent. Um, so are there any other things that you expect to come out of this effort? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're, we're looking to plan our first event, uh, town-wide chamber event uh, in the spring, uh, so we can get everybody in the room and, you know, everybody start talking and exchanging business cards and ideas. Right. And then from there, we're also uh, looking to do our first event uh, from a more kind of like resource development uh, angle. We've done them in the past for MWBE development and capital access. So we're going to do something similar, um, again, kind of under this coordinated effort. That's excellent. Um, and do you have any other plans? Is that part of what the plans are for 2023? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, so another program, and something that got a little bit of press recently, uh, was the direct support program. Um, can you tell us about the, the program and what's going on and what's come about of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so the direct support program stemmed from um, a response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the town, uh, along with the IDA, under your leadership, mm -hmm. you, we've done a, we did a phenomenal job really jumping in and doing what we can to support our small businesses. You know, from cutting the red tape to allowing for easier and speedier outdoor dining to providing outdoor heating, um, it really was something that we came together to jump in quickly um, to provide support for. And it actually harkens back to uh, Superstorm Sandy when that happened. And I was the, the CEO of the IDA at the time. And, you know, it's, it's good to be able to act quickly and mm -hmm. be responsive. Um, so like when I was at the IDA, you know, we were the first uh, people to really launch a um, quick uh, sales tax relief program. Uh, to get our small businesses that were impacted and devastated by Sandy the ability sure. to save money on their materials and supplies during the rebuilding process. And the COVID-19 pandemic was uh, simply devastating to small businesses um, from having to cl having closures to having a limited number of people in your store or restaurant, mm -hmm. um, daily changing regulations that were coming out. There was really no uh, blueprint to follow. Sure. Um, so. Congress passed um, the American Rescue Plan Act, and there uh, they distributed funds, federal funds, to local municipalities, which was great because the local municipalities can decide how they wanted to spend it for their residents and taxpayers. Nice, right, right. And so when we got that money, you know, we were having discussions and decisions to be made on what we were going to do with it. Um, and it was a decision made, which was a really important decision, to put that money back on the street um, for our small businesses in the form of direct support. Sure. And direct support um, is super important because at that time, uh, businesses, you know, were trying to navigate the labyrinth of the federal government and the SBA, who does a wonderful job, but, you know, very cumbersome programs, and a lot of them were loans. Right. So the EIDL program was a loan, the PPP program, which um, could be forgiven, but Ultimately, if it wasn't forgiven, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right? right? So right. Th this, was, this was a straight-up grant program that businesses could access up to 
just under fifty thousand dollars per wow. business. That's great. And so, so businesses that you know were forced to modify their space, that lost revenue, that had to put in new equipment and spend you know ex extra money on, um, but now can get apply. They were able to apply for this grant, um, and we were able to give millions and millions of dollars out That's directly excellent. to businesses across the town. And right. it was really. It's, it's one of those moments where you can see, truly see the direct impact you make on people. That's um, and you could say we had our press conferences and, and people calling the office and stopping in and literally tears yeah. coming down of how much of a positive impact it made. So right. the town board, um, the staff at town hall um, should all be you know, commended for the work that they did and, and, and decision to put this back into the hands of small businesses. Yeah, no, you gave them a light at the end of the tunnel, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's like you know, a lot of people. If you weren't a business owner, right, you you don't necessarily know the struggles and the anxiety that small business owners have because, you know, they pay their employees first. They have to pay their office or store or retail space lease or mortgage first, right. and then they pay themselves last. Right. right. And hopefully, there's enough money at the end of the month where they can actually right. take money out right. Um, right but it all goes back first so that's why we're being able to do programs like this and provide support it's very important that's excellent and like you said you, you're taking a frown and you put a smile on their face so uh that's excellent and uh so important and and again you know you take a catastrophic a catastrophic event like that i tend you know if somebody would have told me before that happened that we were going to go through something like that i would sounds like a movie. Oh, like, yeah, exactly. It sounds like a bad movie. It certainly is a movie. <laughs> yeah. I started to watch a, a series the other night, and I, I got like 30 seconds into it. I'm like, wait, is this about a, you know, a pandemic? <laughs> right. I'm like, I, we just went through this. I don't need to watch it on TV. Like, you know, we lived it. <laughs> yeah, we lived it. Right. Next. Uh, so can you talk to us about some of the success programs maybe that have come out of this, out of that? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, there, there are many businesses, including... Um, minority and women-owned businesses throughout the town, um, Wine Dange in North Amityville, that you know applied for this program and you know just just had a tremendous amount of success. Long-term family businesses, local pizzerias, you know that you know were almost facing closure. Right. You know were able to you know not just survive, but I like to say thrive. Yeah. That was our yeah. goal. The goal was to not just kind of like put a little patch on it, but was to give people truly the hope um, that they were able to you know, make it financially and the town was able to, you know, provide that for them. Right. And what was great about this program too, it's, it's, we also kind of expanded it beyond small business into local community organizations, right. uh, veterans groups, you know, especially were able to get access to this local nonprofits. Everybody forgets that, you know, fundraising for these groups kind of dried up, right. You know, right. if you have any, uh, veterans groups that you might rent out the local hall or, you know, the sons of Italy that, might rent out the local catering facility as, a, as another form of revenue for their organization. All that stopped, yeah. you know, and then you also have membership, you know, that probably declined too because people just weren't renewing their membership. They weren't able to do in-person events and they right. said, oh, you know, right. I don't need to pay this. No doubt. So, so yeah. our local nonprofits, which are so important, you know, to the town of Babylon community really, really was suffering. And we were uh, fortunate that they were part of this program. We were able to support, you know, many of them throughout the town. No, that was used very, very smartly, um, you know, because like you said, just a little bit, but to, to make sure that they were going to be able to maintain and get back into business and move forward was, was so important. Um, you know, talking about business here on Long Island and, and 
you know, what we're looking at. What is your take on Long Island as a place to do business? Yeah, Long Island is really a special place. It has a tremendous amount of regional assets that, you know, we can leverage into, you know, creating, you know, a sustainable economy for many years. And if you look at it, you know, we have incredible healthcare system, we have research institutions, colleges and universities that really, you know, are on the forefront of innovation. Brookhaven National Lab, what they're doing there is just truly global, amazing work that, you know, um, our local economy, whether it be jobs, but also innovation, mm -hmm. um, can really take advantage of. Right. Um, our, and the goal um, and the challenge, so to speak, um, is really kind of making sure that our companies that are here uh, connect with the next generation workforce. Right. And I feel, you know, that's like, kind of like the, the focus that I feel that many economic development agencies, business trade associations, IDAs, you know, can really be the leader, you know, in making sure that our businesses have the correct personnel that they need in order to, to achieve their success. Sure. And when, when our students go to, you know, Stony Brook University um, for an engineering degree, that, you know, they're not already, you know, recruited by Silicon Valley, California, and they're out the door. When we have amazing high-tech job opportunities right here on Long Island, sure. uh, so we need to make sure that we create that bridge between industry and our colleges and our universities and make sure that, you know, our pipeline of the future truly gets local jobs and wants to stay here. Sure. And that also, that also plays, too, into kind of like the overall, you know, economic development landscape and real estate development landscape. Um, I, I, we're very fortunate that we've had leaders throughout Long Island, um, from Patchogue Village Mayor Paul Pontieri to, you know, our supervisor in Babylon, Rick Schaefer, to Lindenhurst Mayor Mike Lavarada, you know, who, you know, took the step where a lot of people were nervous to in terms of larger scale uh, multifamily residential development in their downtowns sure. and mixed-use developments and transit-oriented developments because those types of projects you need to adapt to what the um, what the times call for sure. and having those types of mixed-use de mixed-use development projects really spurred those downtowns from ailing into thriving um, economic generators truly absolutely and um, you could see the successes there and these are projects that are hundred plus million dollars and more that were invested in a local community and they're seeing the results of it. No doubt, no doubt. And um, you know, you, you've done work with the National Development Council as we do when we, when we look at these types of projects. And you know, one of the things that he talked about, uh, Kevin Gremps who works there, he said you know, the, the communities that have embraced this type of development, you know, even out of New York, he, they're thriving right now. You know, so here we are on Long Island and we're doing it, but we are seeing, like I said, the impact that this type of development can have. And the other thing I was just going to add, and, and maybe you can comment on, is a while back we had done a survey with some of the businesses here in the town of Babylon, and that was a big thing. You know, people don't look at housing, but they talked about housing and how important it was not only to keep the talent that we have here, but also attract talent from outside New York to Long Island. Uh, and how important that housing, those projects are. Oh, there's, there's no question about it. Um, and, you know, you, you, you know it's, it's a different, we live in a different type of environment than we did, you know, even 30 years ago. 
you know, when, when I, uh, I was a supporter um, of... Well, my know, hair was your color. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was a supporter of, you know, the well, you know, project, you know, the $100 million development in Lindenhurst. I was right. a very big supporter of it. Growing up in Lindenhurst, being a Lindenhurst graduate, you know, I, I know the village and the town, Hamlet of Lindenhurst, very well. And, you know, I, in my support letter and, you know, the speech I made at one of the public hearings, you know, it's, it's as simple as, like, if, if you don't adapt for the times, and that's business, but that's also government. Right. You're going to potentially fail. Right. So I, you know, if, if you know, the manufacturer of a VCR, if they did not adapt with the times and say, oh, you know, this, I'm sure there were VCR manufacturers. Oh, that DVD is, you know, that's never going to take off. Right, right. Look at the VCR manufacturer today. Right. Right. Blockbuster video. Ah, you know, <laughs> streaming, this Netflix, ah, that's nothing. People are always going to come in our store and do a rental. Right. Where right. are they now? Exactly. Right? Sure. So if, you have, if you're a municipality, you know, you have to also look at it through the eyes of being, running it like a business many times. So if you don't change and adapt mm -hmm. and make sure that your tax base is adaptable too. You don't want to always have to go to the local homeowner. You want to be able to say, we have new development, smart development, responsible development, that's going to help fund you know, our government budget, which is right. also going to benefit you. Right. And that's, I think that's a key takeaway that, that people have to realize, like we have to have an open mind on these things in order to move forward. Sure, no, agreeable. And, and again, it's, it's okay, you know, when we've gone through some of this, especially with the IDA and, and you've lived this, um, it's okay for people to be concerned and to ask questions. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's not about a fight. It's about understanding so that we can move forward. Um, and the other thing I want to say is when you keep the talent here, where does businesses want to be? Where the talent is, right? So it, it's all kind of connected, you know. Um, so do you see that as the major challenge, though? You talked about workforce development, and that's been something that's been, you know, it's a hot topic, obviously. I know the governor has is, is put forth a program possibly with state funds to, uh, to, to work with that. Um, but do you see that as the major challenge right now? Or Yeah, I, I do. I okay. do. I, I think governments, municip local municipalities, whether it be town, villages, or the county governments across Long Island, I think that they have a, a much you know, uh, more wider lens, you know, and, and outlook on multifamily housing. It, it, it certainly has been a lot more approvals over the last few years, especially with mixed-use projects. Um, it doesn't have the stigma that it did in the past in many regards. Um, so I think on the housing front, you know, it's definitely making very good progress. Mm -hmm. um, on, the, on the labor workforce development, I think there needs to be a much more kind of coordinated effort between business, the universities, you know, and the trade associations, just like really trying to figure out how we can homogenize this all much better, sure. where there is, you know, where there really is truly like a bridge of opportunity between everybody. So I would say that labor and workforce development is truly, um, for me, the, the number one economic development sure. issue. And that also goes you know, not just for highly, you know, skilled, you know, engineering students coming out of the schools, but you also have a lot of manufacturers that, you know, need workers that, you know, whether it be line workers, assembly, distribution, sure. um, that it's very difficult for them to access that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, I just, one of our uh, clients here in the town, uh, 
manufacturer. He said, you know, post-COVID, we talk about COVID and the impact of COVID. He said he had a lot of his senior people because there were a lot of senior people that were in those jobs, but they decided, you know, I'm, I'm bailing, you know, I'm not going to go through this with COVID and everything else. So they lost a ton of people also, and now they're scrambling to bring people in, you know, so we are seeing that, yeah. So um, anything else you'd like to add in closing? You know, uh, you're one year into your second term in office. What would you like to accomplish for the rest of your term? Yeah, I, I, I would say it's really um, continuing to focus on um, supporting our business community across the town of Babylon, um, providing opportunities for them uh, to succeed, um, looking at how we can kind of like help bridge the workforce gaps that are there. Um, and that includes, you know, both college bound and non-college bound students. Um, I think that we have the ability as the town of Babylon and also as the IDA mm -hmm. uh, to really come together to provide, and I have an idea for this. Okay. Um, I do have an idea that is written out. Um, so we can go over it about how to truly provide, you know, a bridge between, you know, the workforce gaps that are in our companies mm -hmm. um, and especially graduating high school students that aren't necessarily going, you know, for a four year degree. Sure. Right. I mean, and there's, and there's a, you know, and, and there's um, a lot of those students that kind of like, I'm sure would like to get that pathway. There's a lot of parents that, you know, I think would feel a lot more secure if they knew that their son or daughter who might not be going to a four-year college um, has an opportunity to have a very good job and make a living in a career, not right. just a job, a career, right. Uh, right. in the town of Babylon at one of these companies. Right. Um, so, and that's also something that I would encourage companies to do is, you know, look and, and broaden your scope beyond just putting in your job ad four-year college degree required. Right. Okay. Like, yeah. that's what I would tell them because, you know, there are certainly, you know, very dedicated, motivated, you know, uh, graduating high school students that, you know, the college track just might not be for them. Sure. But they're certainly smart and dedicated um, and, can, and really want to build a career for themselves. Right. Um, so I think they're doing themselves potentially a disservice by just looking, you know, four-year college required. Um, try it out. Expand the scope. Uh, put an interview, a couple of interviews out there for people that don't have a college degree and, and you might be surprised what you get. Um, agree, agree um, 100%. And I think sometimes, and we're all guilty of this, right? We think you're, you're going to school, it's all about going to college. And success, and, and I have two younger sons um, that, you know, I share with them that, you know, getting to the end point, getting to what is successful or being successful, there's all different paths to get there, you know? and. So I agree with that, and maybe we can. And I just want to say that the IDA is open to sitting down, and, and we can share some things together. That would be terrific. Um, and that's it. But Anthony, I want to I want to thank you so much for coming in today and being a part of this, taking time. I know you're busy. You're running around. Um, Stevie, thanks for stopping by too. We got David in the studio, if we can call this a studio. But uh, I want to thank you very much for being here. You've been listening to Economically Speaking. My name is Tom Dolan. Have a great day, everyone. This episode of Economically Speaking podcast was brought to you by the Town of Babylon IDA. To find out more information about today's topic or to simply stay connected, please visit the show notes where you'll find all the relevant links.